at least one of them. Um, hi, morning. If you don't know me, my name is Anya. I'm a member here. It's nice to see you. Um, I do public speaking for my job, and yet this is absolutely terrifying. Um, anyway, so um, we're going to continue on in our series in the parables, um, and I'm going to talk on the great feast, and I'm just going to start by reading it, because that's always a good place to start. Um, so if you wanted to follow along with me, it's in Luke 14, starting at verse 16, or I'll try and remember to click through as we go as well, which I should do now, shouldn't I? That would be a good start. Okay. Um, And he said to him, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come, everything is now ready. And they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please excuse me. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to examine them. Please excuse me. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you have commanded has been done, and there is still room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. So as we know about parables, they're kind of stories to help us understand something about what Jesus was trying to say, to understand something that we maybe don't really understand in a kind of more kind of human way. And this passage is generally about heaven. Um, You kind of think of it as a great party. Jesus is meaning he's talking about heaven. Um, And Jesus is telling us that we are invited to this feast, which is heaven. And there is a much more complex explanation about this, that if I had, you know, an hour, I could talk about it all, but I'm not going to because we don't. Um, But how the Jewish people that we were learning about in Ezra and Nehemiah are kind of that first chosen people of Jesus, of God. They're kind of the first invitees. They didn't respond. And so God kind of throws open his gates of redemption to the Gentiles. um, And that's, generally speaking, us, and we're able to then access heaven through Jesus and through that change in the plan of redemption. Um, There are plenty of places where you can find out more about this. I will happily chat to you about it. Aaron and Andy are probably better people to talk about it with if you wanted to know a bit more about that, Um, because I'm not going to talk a huge amount about that today. I'm going to talk about parties. Um, (laughs) I mean, we're going to have a party later. We've got church lunch going on, so, you know. Um, I don't know, has anyone ever been to the Queen's Garden party? No. I think Peter Wilds, if anyone remembers him, I think he might have gone once. Well, just to, you know, brag about it, I've been to the Queen's Garden party. (laughs) But before it makes it sound like I did anything amazing, I was being a waitress. So I wasn't invited to the Queen's Garden party. But one of the things you would think about all of these posh events, of which I waitressed at quite a few, um is that you think there's, it's a royal party. There would be no expense spared. It's going to be the poshest of posh events that you have ever seen and ever been to. And I'm going to break that bubble for you. There is still a budget. Any posh event that you go to, there is still a budget. And caterers, waitresses included, are very snavvy at being able to kind of keep everything, you know, everyone feel like it's the best party in the world, but still keep to a budget. My favourite trick I ever came across 
was this one, which was at the Queen's Garden Party. Now, everyone has to queue up to get their afternoon tea at the Queen's Garden Party, and you get one plate, and your plate is this big. Half of it is taken up with being a saucer for your cup of tea. So you don't have very much space to fit on very much food. The food is also tiny, cutesy bite-sized because it's an afternoon tea. And even if you're clever, like the person at the bottom, and you layer the food, you still don't actually get that much, um, unless you want to spend the entire garden party queuing for food a couple of times, which, let's face it, you're at the Queen's Garden Party, you don't really want to do that. So although that is generally the best party that we can ever think of, there are still things that they do to try and make sure that it's like under control. Um, and the other thing about the Queen's Garden Party is that the Queen is not actually accessible. She is in a tent, a little marquee, in the middle of the garden with one of those velvet ropes around her. I mean, not just her with a rope, but like, you know. <laughs> the tent has a rope around it, so you can't get too close to the Queen, but you can stare at her across the tent, watching her eat her afternoon tea. But you can't actually speak to her unless she decides to come out and stand at like, you know, a safe terrorist distance from you and um, like, wave at you gently. And if heaven was a party, it would not be like that. You know, you wouldn't have a plate that limits the amount of food that you can have. Um, it would probably be like a buffet where everything's overflowing and it just gets replaced no matter what happens. Or it'd be even like Harry Potter where those plates that automatically refill with food magically just constantly all the time. Um, and the Queen's Garden Party is kind of the best that we can think of in terms of parties. And heaven is going to be... 10, 100, 1,000 times better than that, that we can't even really imagine what it's going to be like. It's just we know it's going to be better than this, um, which is kind of blows my mind as an amazing kind of thing that we can access. But the, par the parable itself is not actually about food. It's about the invite to the party and the company that you have there. So like, like the Queen's Garden Party, the Queen is there. Um, like heaven, the host, God, is there. He's accessible to us. He's not cordoned off, hasn't got like a little rope around him saying, don't come too close, too holy, don't come here. Um, God is there as the host, absolutely overflowing with joy that you are there. He, like, he can't contain it. He's like running around the crowd, kind of giving everybody a hug, trying to make sure that everybody gets a handshake or a hi or a hello. He's so overflowing with joy to see you there because he wants you there. And so going back to our parable, our invites are sent out, and it's a choice about whether our, our invitees go. You know, the people in the passage, the kind of first wave of invitees, they decide they're not going to come. Um, they've got their excuses, they've just got married, bought a field, have some cows. Um, so they decide they're not going to come, they make an excuse, and they don't come. So then that second set of invites goes out, the kind of, not that first wave, but that second wave. And the host still has this amazing feast planned. And the host still has a fantastic time. The host is still absolutely overjoyed to see you. Not everybody is there, but that's their choice not to be there. The host wants them there, but they aren't there. And we know that when we think about this parable, we often think about how it relates to us and the excuses that we can make to not access God or to say no to God when he's asking us something. And we often relate this to activities or like things that we do. So it might be like, oh, I, I can't do the kids' work because 
I say, I hate children. Or I, <laughs> I'm really bad at thinking of ideas. Or, um, you know, I can't go to small group this week, or I can't take on this responsibility or that thing. We often relate it to kind of activities or things that we do or expectations that we have. But often we, we don't translate this attitude into things that we tell ourselves. So like, I don't deserve to be invited to the king's feast, or I didn't earn this, or I don't belong here. And how often we tell ourselves lies that stop us from engaging with God. And I know that I do this absolutely all the time. So this might just be a preach for me, and that's fine. Uh, If you ever see me cry in church, which I do quite a lot, is that it's probably because I feel like I don't belong here. That is the lie that I have that I say all the time. And there are other things that we probably tell each other. Everyone has probably got something that they tell themselves about something that they're struggling with. So it might be that I don't feel like I've earned this. I don't have the right to be here. God's made a mistake. I'm not good enough. And we completely ignore the fact that God has already invited us and that we've decided on his behalf that it must be a mistake. And that just sounds stupid when you put it like that, doesn't it? To go, we go, oh, the God of the universe has invited me to his feast, but I think I know better, and I'm going to say he's made a mistake, and I'm not going to go. Or to say to God, oh, yeah, I I get what you're asking me to do, but actually, I'm good, I don't need to go to heaven, I'm going to stay right here, I'm having a good enough time here. And the thing is, is that actually, if we're Christian, we've already accepted the invite because we've already already agreed that Jesus is our saviour, that we already accepted that invite to be at God's party, to be in heaven with him. So we are already with God. We're not necessarily in heaven right now, but we have a connection with God, and we are able to celebrate him. We're able to enjoy him. And so if I tell myself I don't belong there, what I'm actually doing is being in the party in the corner, maybe having a strop like a toddler that's kind of overtired and doesn't know what's good for them. Like, I'm already there, but I'm just not accessing that party. And God is there hosting the party, overjoyed that we are all there, trying to get us to join in, being like, you know, come and engage, come and, I don't know, play party games or whatever it is that we do in heaven, I don't know. Um, But he's wanting us to embrace the invitation and realise the joy that we can access, the joy that he is experiencing with us being there and the kind of honour that it is to be there. And it's not to say that we have to feel happy all of the time because we know that we're in heaven because that's kind of impossible. We're humans with emotions. We don't feel perfect all the time. We don't feel happy all of the time. And that's okay. But sometimes we forget that we've been given good things while also battling the hard things that actually we're holding on to two things at once where we can still look towards good things and experience the joy that comes from God to us when we're also experiencing hardship or sadness or difficult times. Because you're supposed to be in God's family. You're supposed to have been invited. You have been intentionally invited. You have been chosen to be invited. And hopefully you've accepted the invite. You're connected to God now. You are with God, and he is absolutely overjoyed to see you. 
So much so that I didn't have words for it. That's just why I could keep saying the word joy all the time, because I couldn't have any other words to express this kind of abundance that God has with us. And he wants you to kind of enjoy the party, to be near to him, to be near that host that is accessible all the time, that is connected to you, um, and kind of experience that closeness that comes with being near God. And so what we're, what we're going to do is we're going to sing. So while, every, but while everything's all getting set up and moved around and everything, um, is maybe just have a kind of moment of quiet where we think about the things that maybe we tell ourselves, like the lie that we have that we tell ourselves about why we can't access God or why we're not allowed at the party or why we can't be there. Um, and then we're going to sing Boldly I Approach because I think that is something that we can do and we're able to do now, which we weren't able to do before. And I'm going to finish, oh, sorry, with my favourite line from the Lion Storyteller Bible version of this parable, which if anyone knows me knows this is one of my favourite lines of anything, which is, hooray for God and everyone who gets to go to his party in heaven.